for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You have two athletes, same size, same weight, same strength, same skills, and same speed. Those two athletes line up at the starting line to run a race. By all accounts, with all the physical attributes being the same, those two evenly matched athletes should finish neck and neck at the other end. Then it happens. We are all blown away when one of those athletes wins big. Why? How in the heck did that happen? Well, y'all, we'll tell you exactly how that happened. It happened because one of those athletes would not be denied. On tonight's show, your elk hunting attitude the difference maker when it comes to elk hunting success. Those topics, along with our elk bros shout outs and letters from our elk bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by elkbros.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, where the heck have you been? <laughs> Welcome, y'all. Hope you enjoy the show. And for our grinders out there, those blue collar hunters following our show and tuning in with us every week, Welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, and coming to you from Katy, Texas. Yes, sir, that's right. One of the Venezuelan mafia himself, Luis Gonzalez. <laughs> and from the DFW area, the one and only Manano Graterón. And new <laughs> father to a, a, a daughter, we're so happy for him. And from Cimarron, 
Venezuelan mafia from the lowest ranking member. Uh, the daughter yeah. is born she, to oh, succeed him in she life. She will give me. She will give me busy, man. I'll, <laughs> I'll be watching. Hey, don't yeah. worry, Manana. You got backup here, man. No you got doubt. Backup. Absolutely. Thank you, brothers. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, hey, um, mm-hmm. I want to let everybody know uh, out there that if they've been listening to the show, they know everybody that we've been counting down to our 100th episode. And get this, boys. There's something else pretty cool getting ready to happen. And I don't know if uh, we haven't mentioned this along the way, but I don't know if you remember, but back in um, May and June, we celebrated our 100th download. It took us like a year and three months or something like that. Um, By the time we do our 100th episode, we will have 200,000 downloads. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I mean, as compared to that first time, so we'll be celebrating our 100th episode. We'll be at 200,000 downloads. And, y'all, this is episode 98, and like we said last week, we've been trying to think of ways to include you, our listeners, as a way to say thank you. So um, we want you to be a part of our celebration shout-outs. And, and if you hadn't heard before, here's what we want you to do. If you want to be a part of our shout-outs on our 100th show, get your cell phone and take 10 to 15-second video of yourself, <laughs> like we said. Please. Please have some clothes on. <laughs> and tell us your name and where you're from. If you want to say, you know, include a home of whatever line in that 15 seconds, have at it, man. So just get that cell phone and give us your name, where you're from. And I want you to take that 
And because it's going to be too big to send in an email message, you need to put it on like your Google Drive, your Google Photos, or whatever type of, um, you can even use Dropbox or something like that, and then just email me a link to joe at elkbros.com, and we're ready to rock. And what we're going to do is we're going to combine all the clips on our show so that you guys give give us the shout-out. So you'll hear them on the audio podcast, and you'll see them on our Elk Bros YouTube channel. So that's going to be pretty cool. I'm excited about that. Guys, you guys know exactly what time it is. Shout-out time. It's time to our show. These are just shout-outs to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. All right, so here we go. First, this week, stop listening city okay y'all let's see how uh up are you on your u.s history <laughs> uh, how, how up are you on that u.s history <laughs> I'm back to, you know i'm actually learning as i'm reading brother <laughs> so do any of you know where patrick henry delivered his famous give me liberty or give me death speech yeah, and, and it wasn't a bar in Texas, y'all. So I want you to know that. <laughs> I've, I've heard that speech in several places, Joe, I was going to say. But, uh, well, it was right here in this week's Stop Listening City. It's the capital of Virginia, and the famous speech was here at the St. Jones Church. It was also the capital of the Confederacy during Civil War and a major player in the Revolutionary War as well. This, y'all, is one historic city, and it's none other than Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia. Richmond. And that's not our only Virginia in the house tonight, too. We're going to no hear doubt. some more. Man, Virginia was just all over the Turning board. Out. That's yeah, awesome, man. That's a couple East, episodes as well. So East Coast I was, Rednecks are turning out for us, Joe. Hey, whoa, whoa now, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you know I was born in Norfolk, Virginia. No, that's cool, man. Yeah. I didn't say anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I embraced my Rednecks. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, this city is the gateway to the White Sands National Monument and is connected to the 1945 Trinity Test, which was the site of the first ever explosion of an atomic bomb. The nearby Holloman Air Force Base is also home to a large herd of transplanted oryx from Africa, of which, a public, in, of which the public can hunt. The city was named after a grove of fat cottonwoods, Alamogordo, New Mexico. That's cool, Alamogordo! And just yeah. a just a note about the oryx. If you ever seen one, it's just like a huge antelope. They're awesome. And uh, yeah. Good the po- population has exploded because they don't have any. Uh, there's no predator that could take down an oryx. They kill wow. mountain lions. <laughs> and wow. they kill jeeps. They yeah. kill and trucks. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they're, they, they're they getting are. out of the range too. So there, there may be more public hunts. So yeah, they can they can run forever. They yeah, yeah they look like a they're horse amazing. man I mean they're just huh? a huge huge animal and and some Full of horns. best meat oh they're uh, fantastic that you'll ever have man I I think the only thing that I've tasted comparable to that was the Neil guy I think yeah, that Neil was, guy's good oh that's and in, in, you know so I mean I, cause I love elk but man I tell you what that Oryx and Neil guy very yeah. good so the Oryx uh, I I believe uh, 
some there there are different kinds of oryxes and sure. some of them are going extinct in Africa but uh the ones that are extinct in Africa they Thanks actually you. breed them here in Texas and mm -hmm. and they scimitar. got plenty of them for hunting I'll be yeah, the scimitar horned oryx are the yep. one we breed here in Texas uh -huh. and then the gimsbuck uh, oryx or that's what we have again yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and then uh interesting enough uh i was actually watching uh on tv the other day a documentary on the trinity test mm -hmm. pretty interesting stuff as far as the tests that were conducted there for nuclear bombs wow well next up guys this next top listening city is located 40 miles north of houston right outside of h-town and was named after the Northern-born Union Cavalry officer and Houston lumberman Isaac Conroe. George Strait discovered an oil field in 1931 on the Cockfield Formation, the fastest-growing city in the United States from July 2015 to July 2016, and it's located in Montgomery County, which is the birthplace of the Lone Star Flag, and none other than Conroe, Texas. And uh, if Houston keeps extending itself, it'll be less than 10 miles from yeah. Houston. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, Houston just keeps growing out, fellas. But yeah. uh, Conroe, Texas is a great, uh, great little city for sure. Got some uh, definite deep roots in the in the East Texas uh, logging industry, oil field. I mean, you name it. Uh, the big yeah, most of most of directional companies are based there in, in Conroe, Texas. For That's directional right. You got oil field row. Mm -hmm. Huge public land over there. Yep. And, you know, when you go to Conroe, because we, we actually went on vacation, vacation there one time, and it's not how you see a lot of areas. Like, if you come from New Mexico and you go through that panhandle yeah. of Texas, Conroe's way different than any of oh, that, man. Yeah. Just big it's old big pines. And yeah. yeah, it's just gorgeous, man. Nice yeah, lake. Pretty. Beautiful yeah. lake. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Up next. Uh, our next top listening city was established in 1740. It was occupied by some of the, of the of Virginia's most famous family and was named after Thomas Lee, ancestor ancestor of Confederate General Robert E. Lee. In the War of 1812, it became the temporary seat of the United States government and in the Civil War, changed hands several times. It is also the location of the White's Ferry, the only remaining ferry across the Great Potomac River. Yeah, Potomac. Going... Yes, Potomac River. Potomac yep. River. Mm -hmm. Leesburg, Virginia. Leesburg, Virginia. Leesburg, Virginia. That's, yeah, that's that, you know, when you see that famous photograph of George Washington, you know, and the troops Potomac. going across. That's the Potomac that they're crossing. Oh. Yep. Way back then. All right. Last up, originally named Deer Hammock. <laughs> Sounds like a place that you could go to there, Manano. It has a hammock in it, man. Deer <laughs> Hammock. This was the home of Bo Diddley, who spent his last 13 years of his life here. But it's the Cottonwood Plantation near this top listening city that is part of the great mystery of the Confederate treasure train, where it is said the last of the Confederate treasure train was unloaded. The so-called treasure train in Southern lore was a collection of all the wealth of the Confederate tre treasury that was put on a train to flee capture by the North. To this day, whether it was millions 
or several thousand, and where it all ended up is still a great mystery. In Archer, Florida. It's a cool city name. Arch, I Archer, love that Florida. name, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think on one podcast we're just going to do um, cities that start that are elk wherever or like Archer or Bow and Arrow or <laughs> something like that. Man, there's so many cool names out there. It says that city's just southwest of Gainesville. Uh, yeah, Joe. Archer. Archer, Florida. That's fantastic, man. That's a, a cool of, story. A lot of that east East Coast people are are repping out, man, loving the elk bro stuff. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank really you guys, cool. man. Bet. It's because of you guys that we're uh, that we're doing what we're doing. You betcha. So today's topic, let's rock and roll in it right away because this is something that we talk about attitude all the time. I think, um, and it's easy to talk about attitude. You can tell people that they got to have a good attitude. You can tell people what you know that you've got to have an aggressive attitude, or you got to have this. I mean, it's just so easy there to be able to tell that without really giving an understanding of how it's just not this overall thing. I mean, it, it's it's attitude goes in so many things, you know. Uh, and you know, you guys when you met me one of the things that you've heard me say so many times i've had one gift that's been given to me I, I lost my dad i was about 13 when i lost him and my dad before he died he gave me a gift and that i don't think there was a single day of my life that uh he didn't tell me where there's a will there's a way you know and i've carried that in, and, I, and I've heard that in so many different ways. Look, you know that you know, a lot of people came to this country. A lot of people are born into certain situations. All of us have different aspects of our life where there might not be a way. You know, we're not given our way. We have to find a way. We have to make it, you know. But even if we don't have um, all the means, all of the skills, or we don't have all the money, or we don't have all this— we do have one thing that separates us from other people in a lot of times, and that's what we have upstairs, what we believe in this head. Mm-hmm. You know, So what I wanted to talk about in this is your attitude, persistence, relentlessness, and not just about one part of the hunt because I, I want people as they listen to us have this discussion to realize that anything in life, I don't care – it. It's not any one play, any one decision, any one action that is the reason for any of us losing a competition or, you know, having trouble in a relationship or or a battle of any kind. That there's going to be deciding and contributing points, but in everything there are multiple situations and many reasons as to why we get beat in any one outcome. I mean, I'm sure, Gilbert, in any of y'all's ball games, you know, girls, you know, it'd be towards the end of the game, somebody, you know, strike out, hit a bad hit or something, say, I lost the game for us. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and, and uh, we we guard against that all the time. There's no one – when you're playing in a team sport, no one person loses or wins a game. It's, it's about doing it as a team sport, you know. Uh, as a golfer, I mean, it's totally different. You either won it or you lost it yourself, right? Uh, but when you deal with team sports, it's definitely 
uh, something that we talk about and we try to keep the kids focus off of what we did wrong and what we did right. Right. Uh, we, we try to focus on the positive things, uh, the things that didn't go our way. Um, we work on daily in practice, you know, right. um, to get better, you know, sure. practice, perfect practice makes perfect. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, when you play individual sports, much like what we do in elk hunting, if we're not hunting yep. in a team, I mean, it's up to you to make it happen. And, now, the uh, the thing, I, the point I want to make out of that, though, too, is let's take that golfer. You know, how many times does somebody say that he lost it on the last hole? And, <laughs> you know, I mean, he didn't lose it on the last hole. He was in mm-hmm. winning position all that time yeah. until that hole. So, you know, or there could have been... You know, it could have been hole number five that he could have hit a better hit and been two up on somebody, right? So I I think the point that I want to make out of this is as far as elk hunting attitude is that your relentlessness, your attitude, your persistence has to be in so many different areas of your game. And all along that, I mean, from beginning to the end, man, I mean, you don't, you don't, you're not successful you're not not successful um in an elk hunt because of one particular opportunity there's things that happen all along the way sometimes now you might not capitalize on it let me just say okay what i'm trying to say is you have to be relentless in all areas like you have to be relentless in how well you do your homework Man, I mean, if you don't do your homework, you're not going to know where to start in the first place. You got to be relentless in how well your you preparation. develop. Yeah, in the prep, right? Uh, you yeah. got to be relentless in how you hunt the hunt. You have to be relentless in your physical and mental determination, and you have to. And this is the huge one: you have to be relentless in assessing your current situation and finding a way. Right. Right. Yeah, you just can't. You, you can't let defeat creep in your mind. It's, it's a mindset, Joe. You know, we talk about it all the time. Um, you have to believe in yourself and believe in your team. If you're hunting with other guys that we're just not going to let one another down. And when we do, we're going to be there to pick each other up and figure out, you know, how to get back on the horse that threw you and, and keep moving forward. You know, I said this all the time that, you know, nothing is ever going to be easy, but surely nothing worthwhile ever is. So you just got to keep moving forward. And that, you know, when we talk about elk hunting, it's full of ups and downs and waxes and wanes and uh, those, those early mornings when it's freezing cold and you've been, uh, hate those. You had your tail whooped for 12 sure. miles the night before. I, I, I was, yeah, I was about to mention it, Beto, about uh, the in two particular situations. Yeah. Early in the morning, yeah. when usually Joe, Joe make, <laughs> makes some noise yeah. and, and say, Manano, get up. Yeah, because you wouldn't get up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Waiting and, Yeah, that's, that's true. Right. That's waiting. true. I, I, we even have a song, and, y'all, that we sing when Manano, we're waiting on Manano. W-O-M. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 later on, I mean during the day, uh, if you if you are have been walking during the day the whole day, uh, and you are really tired, I mean, you have to get you have to be uh, with a really good attitude to go that extra mile that you need to 
uh, to go in, in order to accomplish your or conquer your your goal. Yeah. It's uh, it, it it's not easy though. It's not easy. No, we tell we tell people all all the time we're successful because we're too damn stubborn not to be. <laughs> there yeah. it goes. That's that stubborn. I, that's that persistence. I'm, I'm, I mean that with like uh, all my heart. Uh, I myself, you know, I take. I'm at my best when I'm challenged. Uh, I feel that way. I'm built that way. Um, some other guys aren't some other guys that's a it's a learned thing uh the you know for me it's just I'm better when the pressure's on um uh, and I, I I like that uh don't get me wrong I like something easy too and I'll take a slam I'll take <laughs> oh, yeah. a slam dunk anytime I can get it but my life's not been that way <laughs> so generally speaking I I have lived through adversity and stuff so for me it's either you can either give up and go home or you know kind of take the scenic route and sit on the edge of the trail and not go up that hill or another ridge or another ridge or another ridge and you can be okay going home with tag soup or you can put your boots on the ground and get you know get get to work and calling and learning what you need to learn doing your homework on areas and figuring out where elk are going to be and go seal the deal or at least give yourself an opportunity there there's a lot of good elk hunters out there this year that did that had an opportunity and they couldn't get it done you know i spent the weekend hunting whitetails here in texas and these guys will attest i sent them some video of them really nice white tail that came in on me Sunday. And listen, you walk into my set uh, when I'm hunting and you're in serious trouble. And this deer did a couple things to me that, you know, the, and then I had a, a situation where a coyote came in, kind of blew the whole set. That was really something I couldn't control. But as I analyzed that, my relentless behavior of going to do what I set out to do, I, I hesitated just a little bit and, you know, when, when I was training with, when, when I was a police officer, they would tell you hesitation will, will be the assassination of your worst, of your best dream, right? You cannot hesitate. When you feel that it's the time to do something, you got to do it, right? And, right? and that feeling you had, Beto, is, is so, so common. But at the same time, I think we were talking about you and your setup and, um, you know, I think we all agree you did the right thing. I mean, you were doing a couple of things. You were aging. You were making sure that the deer, you know, was what you wanted to harvest. I mean, you is a mature deer that came in nervous and wanted to, uh, you know, you wanted Boy, it to make sure man. you had a good shot on it because then you don't want to wound an animal and then feel yeah. worse than you potentially feel right now. So I, I think, again, uh, going back to the yeah. uh, being relentless, I mean, I, I think you certainly are. And uh, I think – that's part of doing your homework as well that you, Joe is mentioning here. It's we, important because that's more valuable than actually harvesting the deer or I, wounding it. I agree. Just to get yourself in position to do yeah. that is yeah. a feat in itself. These critters yeah. are unbelievably uh, talented at, at at understanding danger around them, right? Mm -hmm. Everything out there tries to eat and kill them, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, to be able to get in there and have him at 18 to 20 yards and, and handle what I needed to handle. Yeah. I, you know, I view it as a, I guess you could say that's a moral victory. Uh, yeah. to me, like Joe says, every time he goes out in the woods, his goal is to put it, you know, an animal on the ground. And that's, you know, I, 
the cool thing about here in Texas is, you know, Joe says he's never used a trail camera. Well, we find a lot of these animals on our management plan because of these trail cameras. So we can identify an animal and really try to hunt him. Yeah, and, and it's totally two different things, what you guys do and what I'm doing. Yes, and, yeah. for sure, for and, sure. And, you know, but and, the mindset's the same. Yeah. You've got to be dedicated sure. to figure out what your wind is. You know, a lot of times we can't go hunt a set because the wind's not going to be right. And one Man. thing that you were talking about, Luis, there, when you talk about, like, him having to do his looking and everything like that <laughs> and where he ends up not getting the animal, there's a difference between a reason and an excuse. Okay. Yeah, sure. And and I, I want to talk about that here in a minute. I want to really talk about the difference. It's a, de it's a delicate balance. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's a, it's, it is it very really well. is, man. But I honestly yeah, think in Beto's case, it's not an excuse. I honestly think that's the way it should, it should no, be. No, absolutely. What happened to him. But before but, uh, we... Yeah. Because but I agree I think with that's you. That's a huge discussion on that. 100%. But I, I want to step back to what Manano was talking about, like the early morning or the late evening or mm -hmm. all the walking or going up a hill or, you know, hearing that animal after you're tired, like two miles away. You know, it, it becomes. I didn't hear no animal two miles away. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. I didn't tell you, you guys hear anything? Right I didn't. I don't know. A couple what hundred yards, about. I'm in. Oh, you did two milers? Nah, that's Manano all day, man. That's he right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys are funny, man. But the guys at camp just playing with the grunt tube. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the point the point I want to make out of that is is that when you have those situations, just like all you guys are saying, for for a lot of people, that is a situation that becomes easy to accept. In other words, you know, if I, I mean, most guys are like, man, if we're real tired, I gotta, I gotta take a rest. Well, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you one thing I tell guys when you're out in the woods, because number one, to kill an elk, you gotta be out in the woods. I'd rather be out in the woods than in a tent. So yes, if sir. you're out in the woods, if you're tired, take a nap. If yeah. you're hungry, Eat. Uh, eat you know if you're thirsty yep. you drink, drink man and especially if you do it during those times and, and you can tell there's a feeling when the animals are doing the same thing man mm -hmm. if you coordinate with cool. how you are there but i i think like like for example this year when it's hot right as soon as it becomes hot it becomes easy Excuse. to accept the fact that and go oh they're not going to be bugling they're not going to be moving they're not going to be talking right or when um, it's snowing <laughs> or I, think when it's a snowing. I think that's a little bit different because that's you're talking about an area where you could actually you know hurt yourself or be killed you know when you when you're dealing with inclement weather like that oh sure yeah. the, heat, the heat man yeah, it's going to affect the animals, but it ain't going to kill me or you or Manano. But man, when we got hit with that big, those big inches of snow, you hurt yourself out there in the cold like that. Yeah, catch up. No, don't disagree. But I think you know, to to Joe's point is is the fact that look, we could have made an excuse of not going out Hell to hunt yes. when we had that Absolutely. snow come Easy. in, right? Yeah, and then you know, instead we turn it into opportunity. And, Dang right. Uh, now know, we, did, a, we did kind of, of a hunt. We did, and we kind of waited 
the morning out a little bit. We <laughs> needed to get all the snow off of our fallen tents and everything. And we got out there mid morning and had one of the best hunts. I mean, look, it was so cool cutting tracks and learning the stuff that we learned, but we were not going to be denied. We were going to sit in camp and twiddle our thumbs and woe is me. I mean, I, I think that, I asked Joe, what are we going to do now? He goes, hey, yeah. I don't know. We're going to go, go hunting track and haul ass. You know? But had I said, had I said, you know, guys, it's just, um, it's just too cold out there. It could be yeah. dangerous. I could oh, have made oh, it oh, into oh, a. Uh, I could have made it into an acceptable mm-hmm. reason to sit my butt down in camp, right? You could so, have, yes. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is, is that. And I would have accepted it too. <laughs> my grandpa always said, "You can't kill an animal." Actually, actually, I was, I was about to propose it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did have some Weller and Frangelica. <laughs> yeah, it got real I interesting. Could have you know, had another unleashed episode in. I think. I think what you. This is all about that last point you got there, uh, Joe. Uh, you know, assessing your current situation and finding a way, right? Right. And and I think 2019 was also uh, for us uh, a year where we, you know, year. we we proven that you know we could make lemonades out of lemons, you know, and we had podcasts on those stories as well. But. Sure. Again, to your point, one of the things that I want to bring to the table, too, is like, and, and Manano talked about the one of the toughest portions of the hunt, and, and I agree 100% for me, is the getting up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And um, the getting up in the morning is not just getting up in the morning. It's after going to bed super late after uh, the night prior is after walking about 10 miles up and down in the mountain the night prior. It's about it being cold. It's about, you know, after, you know, when you get to that hump day on your hunt where your body's already, you know, uh, screaming at you, um, what do I do to get up in the mornings? You know, when that alarm clock goes off so I don't hit the snooze button and then I sleep in like Manana does. Um, is, uh, let, me t- let me tell you how re- resilient you guys are. <laughs> Y'all are tagged out and still getting up. Okay. Yeah. Same yeah. thing with me. When I tagged out early, we still getting up and going helping right. one another. Right. right. Like I said, it's the mentality of this group that I wouldn't trade for all the money in China right now. I mean, seriously. What do you tell? What do you tell yourself in the morning when that alarm goes off? Right. I mean, and for me, mm-hmm. what I tell myself is like, okay, uh, I've been waiting almost a year. I, have a full year to be up here in the mountains. Do I rather stay in my tent and sleep in when I can sleep in at the house? And, uh, or do I rather be out there in the woods looking at these animals that I don't get to see around and, and uh, be out there with my buddies hunting? I dream about hunting year round and then I'm out here and I'm not going to get up in the morning. So it's just, that's what I keep telling myself. No, I've, I've said this a thousand times. If I could make a living doing this, I'd be doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're trying to slowly figure that out. But uh, I, because I love it, it's like anything. You know, I came home yesterday uh, from being down there hunting, and I just – I'm ready to go back. <laughs> you know, not getting up <laughs> yeah. this morning, not having that bow in my hand. I'm the same I'm way. Sick. <laughs> you know, I'm like – Man, I wanted to get back on the horse because of what I went through. Yesterday. You know, Luis, I, I, I think, man, that uh, and what Gilbert's talking about there, too. What, you know, when you're there at that hunting camp, there's a different norm. 
100%. It's a different norm. And when you come back to, quote, quote, the real world, yep. it's like that norm shifts to what everybody else wants. Everybody else wants you up mm. at this certain time. Right. And, you know, and, and you're going to be doing this the fall day. And then you're going to be, you know, um, uh, what is it, uh, where you're going to come down at night. And so you're going to veg and you're going to do this stuff. And then you're going to go to bed and you're going to do everything all over again. So right. I, I think what I do, Luis, and what's in my head is when I'm out in the elk woods, I change my norm. So my morning is not my morning. I mean, it's not, it's not everybody's typical morning. You know, mm-hmm. my morning is 3 a.m. And I know it's going to be 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, uh, what's going to happen for me in the day and what I'm going to do in order for me to success. I have to have a successful norm. I have to have a successful pattern. And that pattern has to match up the best opportunity for me to have that encounter with that animal. And so that means that I have to shift all of that. So it's not that, it's for me, it's not a sacrifice um, to lose that sleep in the morning. It's more of a paradigm shift. Yeah, Yeah. I've just shifted everything. It's just like I told people, because guys are always like, well, how do you avoid hunting pressure? And it's not that you avoid hunting pressure. Mm-hmm. You change when you hunt. You mm-hmm. don't you don't change where you hunt and you change by changing when you hunt, you're hunting when pressure's not hunting, when most other people are. When people want to get up and they want to be out in the daylight. Or yeah. when people um, don't want to be out um, night calling. Or yeah. when people don't want to be out there. Yeah, we late do the uncomfortable the things on We do the uncomfortable things comfortably. Right. You know, and and that's that's what separates being regular and being a champion, Joe. Uh, I I tell this to my kids all the time. You know, while you're unbelievably talented and everything, you know, uh, hard work and dedication will only get you so far. Uh, and, And I've said this a thousand times, man. You, if you don't, you got to have all the talent in the world, but if you don't work hard and you don't put the work in, it ain't going to matter. You know, uh, I, it, you still have to find a reason why. And we say this all the time. You got to find a reason. Your reason why has got to be bigger than your reason why not. Mm-hmm. So for me, every morning getting up and going chasing elk is because it's what I love to do. And, and, and you only my, have 10 days to do it, man. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it, it, it makes seven me angry. Days, right? seven. <laughs> yeah. Seven to seven to 10 days to do right. exactly what I love to do. And I don't want to miss one second of it. You know, um, I, I just absolutely enjoy this. And look, when you, when you're tired and you're weary, cause it's going to happen. It's you're going to get tired and weird. Now where we hunt, people don't really understand this and what we have to go through to get there. Uh, it's not easy, man. It's, it takes a toll on your body. It takes a toll on your equipment. Mm-hmm. It takes a toll. So hunting pressure. Yeah. we got a lot of people around us, but we never made an ex- that an excuse. So when we talk about reasons and excuses, Joe, sure. moving into the next segment of this, uh-huh. we've never a- allowed uh, that to be an excuse, people around us, 
uh, full moon, weather, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Hey, your, your blah, blahs there, though, yeah. your blah, blahs are spot on. most people's <laughs> accepted reason for why they didn't feel their tag. Um, yeah. You know, how, how many times do, we, do you hear the elk just weren't talking or it was Don't too matter. windy yeah. or I had a full moon? You know, and we, we did a podcast on no excuse elk hunting, yeah. but, and, and we said what those excuses are. But what I'm talking about is the mentality of that. Yeah, yeah. we just don't have it. It's which, so... which I think your point is like, if if there's a question that you can continuously ask yourself when you're up in the mountains mm-hmm. as to whether or not you need to do something, that's the question that you just ask. Is that a reason or is that an excuse? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and then being being able to discern between the two and then make the right decision. If it's a valid reason because it involves safety issues and you can potentially put your sim in a heart in harm's way, then good. The answer is it's a reason, but make sure that you don't turn uh, an excuse into a reason. It's mainly what you're trying to convey, and right? Don't Joe? turn a reason into an use a reason right. as an right. excuse, right? Right. Yeah. I right. mean, because like the way I I define, it, there's a difference between the two, and like you said. <laughs> Man, sometimes that is a fine line in that. But I yeah. like to think of a reason or reasons or reasoning as a cause and effect of actions or behaviors or outcomes that we can work to understand and work to <laughs> overcome or at least compete against. Like, you know, uh, let me take let's take football, for example. You know, I keep getting beat around the end. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, my excuse is I keep getting beat around the end. Right. That's my excuse. My reason is, why am I getting beat around the end and what do I do to change that and to make myself more effective? Now I'm reasoning. Now I'm looking. Now, instead of just throwing my hands up and giving up, right, instead of doing that, I like to look at reasoning as 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 more of a proactive approach. I I like to look at as a way to why something has happened and then find solutions. And it might not happen this year, bro. I mean, yeah. I, I can go, uh, I can say, all right, I did not get my animal this year because my calling, my reason was my calling was horrible, right? Now, uh, I could I could use that as an excuse or I could have said, well, if my calling was horrible, let me try another strategy. Let me find another way yeah. to be able to make that happen. You know, uh, but another thing that may be dangerous is that you want to use something as an excuse and then you work your way around it to turn it into a reason. You might be losing me there. Yo, Explain well, that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so say, say, okay, that, let's put the example of the snow, right? Uh-huh. And then you're like, oh man, it's snowing. Uh, we, you know, we can go out there. It might be a safety hazard. You know, we just better wait until the snow melts. Right. The truth of the matter is that you don't it was originally an excuse. You don't want to yeah. freeze your butt out there yeah. and you're turning it, yeah. turning it into a reason. Yeah, sure. especially if you're not prepared for that kind of weather, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I get it. it. You can really turn that into an excuse real quick. But my question is to guys like you, Joe, and Chab and Manano, what do you feel like are some of the excuses guys make instead of having reasons they have excuses for not getting it done during an elk season? They're, they're all legitimate things, man. They're all yeah. totally legitimate. I mean, that's what I'm trying to tell you is that 
a reason and excuse can be so close. Like what Luis mm-hmm. just said, mm-hmm. you know, it could say, well, that could be a bad situation on there. Maybe we should wait. Well, I could sell that to people. Right. You know? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> or uh, I can look and say, oh, there's there's 20 trucks at the trailhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to see an animal. I can mm-hmm. sell that. And people mm-hmm. are other people that have not been successful are going to buy in. Misery loves company, man. They're going to buy into right. that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> exactly. that's exactly why I didn't get one, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, or uh, I can say that, well, I, I was down there and, man, I saw a hunter just 200 yards off there. That's why I didn't get an animal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they take reasons and make them into excuses that are totally legitimate. Yeah, was it hot this year all across the West? Yes, it was. Did it, did it lull? the the rut some well yeah it makes animals lethargic and lazy right but i can say well that's why i didn't fill my tag and you know what there's gonna be another eight thousand guys out there that go yeah it was my problem yeah Yeah, my problem so it's it's kind of a way to consign or verify our shortcomings And, and instead of going you know what yeah what else could i have done what else could i have done 100 percent. right you you know i think everybody got to look within themselves if it didn't happen for them and figure out what else could i have done could i have uh put the time in a little more on the treadmill or could i have done 25 more push-ups a day or could i have you know uh there are a lot off that trail and gone yeah. over this it, way it, where exactly. nobody's going or yeah. stayed out past, you know, dark and, and maybe just stayed up all night long and even yeah. slept out there if I had to. I mean, yeah. if if you look, if there is a will, there is a way. And uh, guys have been calling, uh, killing these animals for years without oh yeah. calling them. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But here's a key to killing a, an elk. OK. Mm-hmm. And I, it's one of the biggest excuses that I hear from our listeners that write in and from guys that I talk to that are hunting out West, man, I called this bull in and the bull was looking at me the whole time and I never drew. Okay. So that's an excuse. You never drew you. It, it was a reason to, turned into an excuse, right? right. You had <laughs> 100% you have to draw your bow or sure. you will never be able to release that arrow. Sure. So for, for me, when a guy tells me that, I'm like, it don't matter if he's looking at you or not, Hoss. If he's walking in there to you and he's screaming, draw your bow when he's attempting to move. And he's not – if he if he boogers, you can – if you can actually make a cow call sound or even go, yeah, you can stop him. And he will turn broadside and look back at you. It's the biggest thing I hear from 90% of the guys. I, when I'll give you one. Hurt. I'll give you one. Uh Every bull I called in hung up. Mm-hmm. Every bull I called in hung up. I, I hear that so many times. You know, it stayed out there. Well, if that animal kept hanging up, you need to look at the reasons why they're hanging sure, up man. and change, change what something. you're doing. Right? Hey, I mean, you guys did it this this hunt with Luis. You did it. Everything you were doing, they were getting a little response, but not really. And then all of a sudden, you went from being aggressive and everything to more herd talk. And then, oh, man, got the response you needed. But had you been one one-dimensional 
and just doing what you were doing probably would have never got that bull pulled by uh, for Luis, especially since Manano was on his phone the whole time. Oh, I didn't <laughs> want to bring that up, man. That Ooh, was low. Man. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, Chad, yeah. let me ask you, man. What, what do you think are some of the more obvious things that – because this is what is separating – successful those people that are successful all the time from those people that are doing it once every five or six years what do you think those reasons are that a lot of people use that take those reasons and use them as excuses and they're legitimate i think a lot of it has to do with what uh, louise touched on earlier and that's uh preparedness you know be prepared you know you got to be in good shape so that takes a lot of preparedness um you uh, have to be proficient as a shooter, rifle or bow, and that, that takes time to prepare. And uh, knowledge is your biggest power. You know, the more you learn, the, the better off you are as far as being able to uh, change things on a dime. You know, when it snowed, you know, a lot of people probably stayed in, in camp. But to me, that would be a great opportunity because everything's oh, yeah. silent, you know, the the scents that have been flowing around have, have grounded at least for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just being able to answer the bell regardless of the situation. And that's being, you know, mentally, mentally and physically ready to go. Um, and like you said, the time restraint on our hunts, what, 10 days at the most, or yeah. well, it's seven probably days less than... for, yeah, seven days. I mean, we get out there days early before the guys come in, but it's seven days for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know you don't want to waste any opportunity, you know. And uh, like you were talking before, uh, don't just hunt the, the roads and the trails. Get off of them and see see what's out there. But but like like Louis said, a lot of it's just uh, being prepared. Yeah. And there's all kinds of aspects to being prepared. It's easy, and you can justify just about any any condition or situation, and and. Uh, go the opposite way you know i like to sleep in myself (laughs) (laughs) Uh, one of the one of the thing i learned pretty quick after my first l camp was uh that you have to be comfortable you have to sleep well you have to be prepared to to get a full you know like a full at least six or seven hours Uh of sleep which is Crucial. Nearly impossible to do it. Mm-hmm. Because you have to cook, you have to get ready, you have to, I mean, you get up at 3 a.m. in the morning. And, um, and we'll uh, never be being... calorie intake deprived. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, always go have enough fuel in camp. Having having a uh, poor accommodation of a, uh, and sleeping, you, I mean, you will be in a, in a worse, I mean, in a, in a really hard situation uh, it's it's one of the of the team you have to be prepared of. grinders tuning in thank you for listening to the blue collar elk hunting podcast our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the 
very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our base camp elk hunting training camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our base camp training camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And base camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. Yeah, we went on several back-to-back bull kills and stuff where we running on no sleep and uh, lots of hiking and tough pack outs and stuff. And look, man, yeah, and, it's, and, it's and, yeah, and, and, and having a, a comfortable, comfortable spot, it'll help to mitigate the the question yourself really early in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass today or not? If you are comfortable, if you sleep well, it'll, it'll, it'll be, it'll mitigate. Yeah, you know, a portion of the self questioning your. In, in the morning. So my norm on a hunt is five hours. If I can do five hours of sleep, I can go because I know that I'm going to in between certain times in the day, between that midday and that, that afternoon. <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to catch, I catch some sleep and that's usually some of my For better now. sleep, man. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, out in the woods and what's how many times will you stop and took a nap, Joe? I mean, get tired. Yeah. We sleep. We kind of like Forrest Gump hunting. Yeah. When we tired, we sleep. Yep. When we hungry, we eat. When we thirsty, we drink. That was one of the first lessons I received in the in, the, in my first elk hunting. Joe, uh, we were walking early in the morning since early in the morning, and all of a sudden he he was looking for a you know a clear spot, and and then. He went to the ground, start, you know, trying to make a, a comfortable spot. And what are you doing, Joe? And he goes like, "Well, you have to. Sleepy. I'm going to sleep. No, you have to. You have to mimic the animal." And he goes, "By this time, they probably get getting close to bed, and you know, have a 
some sort of a break, and that's what I tried to re replicate. And I, I remember back. that day we actually had some mule deer walk up on us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I, I'm not able to tell you how many times because I was taking a nap and staying in one place. I've actually had elk bugle sound off or walk yeah, by while I was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I, don't, I don't know if you remember it, not this year, but last year we were taking a nap. Me and Brendan woke up and there was a big bull standing below us. Yeah. Oh, I was the one that saw it. Yeah. Because you were snoring. <laughs> you guys were stretched uh, out everybody everybody knows that. Manano does not snore. I was taking pictures. I was, I was recording everything. You guys tell you around. Around. Like roughing it laying in the pine straw. Yeah, yeah, me. I was roughing it laying in the pine straw. These cats were in a hammock. Oh, so that's Let a nice thing for some about of you their guys rest. too. I'm serious. Yeah, that's they, a really good. Uh, uh, Tool. <laughs> it is a good tool. It's absolutely no awesome, man. I have one in my pack that my nano gave me because I tell you what, that there's some places you're not able to find a place without a rock stick. Well, I'm a little aggravated I ain't got one. So <laughs> next time I got a sharp knife from outdoor edge, but it will flat take care of that hammock hanging. Beto <laughs> don't have one, I can tell you. So what you guys are what you guys are hearing is is that um Manano and and Luis in Venezuela, the hammocks are used inside homes, man, and these guys are very yeah. comfortable in hammocks, yeah. and he keeps a lightweight one with him, and whenever we stop, uh, if we're going to stop for a little while and we're going to chill and take a nap, he just pops it between two trees, and that dude's out in a hammock. and, and no. uh, In just one minute, less than one minute. And yeah. and he gave me one, and it's just it's just fantastic, and so they're real comfortable in Gilbert. <laughs> trying to get comfortable on the, on the ground, man. He in the pine straw now. I, look, I, I wake up after snoring for sure probably woke myself up and i look over there and there's two big hammocks with two bodies in them over there i'm like what in the world is going on when they how, how how much do you say i didn't i didn't show up or something man how man. much do you think those hammocks weigh manano they're like what Ooh, five oh, ounces they, uh, yeah they're uh not, not even 200 grams yeah they're they're light 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 guarantee man, my and, pack better have one <laughs> you know, and the, the thing that I like about it, you know, is is I like to sleep well when I'm sleeping in the woods. Yeah. But and I don't know about you guys that are listening here, if you've encountered this, but you're trying to sleep and those doggone big old red ants start climbing up inside your britches and yeah. down in the top of your shirt and stuff like mm -hmm. that. It's just oh my gosh! So the yeah. hammock really solved that issue. I mean, you can you can really yeah. be out and. Uh, well, yeah. I can tell you right now, I have no problem sleeping in that pine straw because Joe has sled dog us for about two and a half miles right then. I was ready to catch a nap. And, and, and it's really convenient. As a general rule, awesome. I have a hammock in my backpack uh, for, you know, an emergency. You have to be up in the, and up I'll in tell the you, air. I'll tell you other times where that's really great is is during that midday hunt, when you've put some of those animals to bed or you're waiting for them to move again and stuff like that, man, you just park it and you just, you just, until you're ready to start making your move about 11, 11 o'clock or so, um, you know, where you start trying to call them off of them. It's perfect, man. That's when you get your sleep and you get yourself ready. And sometimes you have animals because you're parked away on that downwind side of them. You have animals come moving in, man, as well. So it's, uh, it, it's, it, look, 
like you said, you got to force gump it out there. And, you know, I know sleep is probably, I'd say sleep and food, but food is easier to handle because you can carry that stuff with you. You can eat all the time. And I think we eat too much. I think that's one of the reasons that, <laughs> that we, we need to sleep so much, man. We want to sleep so much. We got the work. serotonin going, coming up on us all the time because of the stuff we Oh, man, we're trying to work it off. But these guys, I tell you what, man, they do um, – so I, that's that's the real point that I wanted out of this is not just about attitude, but how easy it is to sell something that could be a legitimate reason as and, and make an excuse. And, and here's what I'm going to tell you guys is, you know, I always this is always a tough one for me is that, you know, everybody's like, look, it's it's about the hunt right? It's about the hunt. It absolutely is about the hunt. That's why I hunt the hunt so hard because the goal of my hunt is to tag an animal, man. And that, you know, if, if you're saying that's not important, I don't daggum believe you, man. If yeah. you say it, that, I mean, it is important. That's why we're out there. That's why we want to do it. Is that, is that the only win? No. Is that the only goal? No. I mean, uh, I mean, how many football games did I play in that we didn't end up winning at the end? But man, were incredible experiences for me. Yeah. I had great camaraderie, better. good bonding. I learned lessons. Yeah, all of that comes for it. But my yeah. goal, if What's if winning wasn't important, then they wouldn't yeah, have had that freaking scoring. scoreboard up there, That's right? right. Mm -hmm. You know. So yeah. uh, no, and I and I'm I'm with you, Joe. You know, the first four years of my elk hunting career, it wasn't about killing a elk. It was about killing the elk. Right. And I had a goal, right? And we accomplished it. Now, it don't matter. If it's brown, it's down, brother. <laughs> right, we absolutely. ain't discriminating sex, gender, none of that. I'm telling you right now, if a cow gets mess, messed up and gets in front of me, she's in serious trouble. Same thing with any bull, and I ain't discriminating on how big his horns are either. So uh, we got a tag that allows us for that. But exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't have a clarify that. Make sure. Yeah, it's an that, sex tag where yeah. we hunt. So. Uh, in an undisclosed location, uh, but uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, for me, I'm 100% the same thing. I, you know, for, I love the the build up. I love getting there. I love being in camp. But yeah, for me, my my family wants to eat elk meat, man. And well, you know, we've got a little mini streak going here. It's been really good. We've put a lot of work in. The guys have all been. There ain't nothing mini about that streak, bro. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh it's been it's been fantastic, man. Again, I think a lot of these guys too that are maybe having struggles with uh with where they hunt Joe or or making excuses, maybe uh, you know what who they hunting with too, you know. Uh yeah. if you're not in with a group that won't won't that won't accept uh they won't accept success as the only outcome, you know, that can drag you down. You know, these well, guys with man, they want absolutely. Allow. You need to change that because it's. It, yeah. and, but you got to allow yourself to do that too. You have to buy in mm -hmm. that everything's a decision, everything's a choice, mm -hmm. and you know if you you got to decide sometimes when you're in with that whether you're going to help make the change for the group or if you're going to become changed by the group and yep. uh, or your partner, you know, yeah. like that. And mm -hmm. you know, 
the, the key to overcoming a losing situation is you got to want to change the outcome. You have to have that competitive desire. It has to burn inside here. Yeah. And I, I tell you what, I, I don't care what it was I, I do in my life. <laughs> man, I'm, I'm going to compete in yeah. some way, shape, or form, man. I mean, it, I might not be the greatest basketball player, but I'm going to find the biggest dude out there, and I'm going to try to, to – you know, try to take that dog off the porch, man. And yep. it's just, you got you to gotta love to compete. And all that other stuff takes care of itself. The, the <laughs> harvest takes care of itself, man. If you're sure. persistent, if you're relentless, if you're passionate, if you just really love what you're doing. And you talk about these guys that get up after they filled their tags. And I'll tell you, I actually think they get up easier after they've done it themselves because yeah, they are – yeah, well, and they are so oriented about helping yes. other people to have givers, that. man. We, you know, you yeah. they're givers. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I, I'm anointed with that uh, as far as the way I grew up, man. You know, we're here to help people and we're here to give back. These guys are this; they're cut out of that same cloth. I had a kid played for me a couple years ago, and she was just such an absolute competitor on the field. Um, she was a middle infielder for me. Uh, it's been a couple of tough years trying to find somebody that's the heart and soul like that, that has that kind of competitive fire. She's one of the sweetest kids you'll ever meet. And when she got in between the lines, though, in the chalk, in between the chalk, she was a beast, man. Like you didn't even want to be around her because she was a different person. You're like, how is this little kid, this tyrant when she's in the middle of the field but she did not want to lose um and that permeates man oh my that god it, it took my team that was they were very good talented wise but when you have a leader like that they all want to get better right and, I, and not because it's my own kid but Lacey ornelis is that kid that i'm talking about she's the ultimate competitor and i got a kid playing for me right now joe her name is kenna hendry going to go to Letourneau University. I thought I'd never met another kid more competitive than my own kid because that's what we build here, right? We build competitive. We work extremely hard. We build kids that want to be better people and help others. But, man, I'm telling you, this kid, Kenna Hendry, <laughs> you can't play a board game in her house because, I mean, <laughs> it is like they're going to throw peas that's and me corns. me and my wife, and, man. <laughs> I mean, it is ultra competitive. And oh, yeah. It's so impressive to watch her grind and take her teammates to another level. Sure. Like I said, I've been missing that when I lost my shortstop a couple years ago. But Kenna Hendry's kind of filled that gap, man. Sure. Uh, Kenna's the ultimate competitor. And she's little as they come, man, but a fierce, fierce competitor. Uh, and that's the kind of that's the kind of fire I hunt with. You know, that's the kind of competitiveness that I bring. And these guys know that, you know, I'm down to do whatever they need for me to help them and and uh, and get them to where they want to be. And you and Chav have always been that way for us. So we can never come with any type of weak minded stuff to elk camp because that, you know, that ain't going to fly around here. You know, as a good old friend of mine, Bill Watson, would say, you can get that crap out of your head right now. You know, because that ain't gonna fly around here. You know, okay. And, and we all and and we all have our our weak moments, right? Sure, we all do. But, but if you surround, you tired and yeah. But if you surround yourself with people that are on the same mindset, 
they will pick up on that and they will they will realize that uh, it's 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 time to to help a brother out and get him get him out of that that you know temporary situation in which you're feeling down you know and 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 i think that's something that us five you know six as a team out there in the mountains um we've been able to learn we've we've known each other hunt with each other for a while now to where we can know our personalities know our strengths and weaknesses and always step in and fill in where it's needed you know yeah. we've had we've had a lot of people hunt with us joe we've had uh steve tucker the mad canadian sure. right, who's turned his life around mm-hmm. because of what he did with us mm-hmm. you're talking about a guy who's 310 pounds 315 pounds now he's like 185 and running iron man's right yep. and and is begging to come back and hunt with us. So uh, you take Trey Kistler, whose life was changed being on that mountain, understanding elk behavior and stuff like that. Then now we've got the, you know, the Pennsylvania cat killer himself, Brendan Houlihan, whose life's been enriched and ours has too, because of his given nature. So there's been a lot of guys that have shared elk camp with us. uh, And then, you know, running into, you know, Bill Watson, Pat, Pat Salvo, I mean Will Watson, uh, little uh, little Rick Ricky T. I mean all these guys that have shared elk camp with us have been fantastic givers, but they all have that same mentality. Yeah, and what I wanted to tell everybody out there, whether man or woman, is that you can take mediocre talent and with belief, yeah, you can be so much better than what oh, you are man. because you believe you are. And, and look and, at Manano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had, a, I had a coach, I had a coach a long time. Ago. <laughs> guys, hard work beats okay. talent when talent don't work hard. Absolutely. You know, you know? And, and I mean, we had, we had a team one year, Chav and I, that these boys should have been fourth by all rights, but they believe they were way more than what they were. And doggone if they didn't go out there and win a state championship, man, because they believed that's what they were going to do. But they're right. Yeah. They're right. If you yeah. believe it, you're right. One hundred. Right. If you believe that you're not good enough and you're not, you're going to get beat. You're you absolutely 100% right. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I, I tell well, that it's not. It's people. not all the time, Beto, because Luis, Luis now believes. He's, now he's coming back. Now, he's been thinking about it for about thirty minutes after I no, said that. No, no, no. How do I come he, back? He believes. Believe it's better. It's not always that way. Yeah, sometimes it's a it's a false belief. You know, it's just but. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but yeah. hey, but we are not going to lack for confidence in our group. Okay. At least you go out swinging, man. Hey, guys, uh, that that was a great conversation i hope uh, everybody got something out of that uh i i want to always you know i think people are going to hear us always talk about these matters because in different ways we hit it you know in different manners and it's such a critical point of success man i mean your mindset your mental strength your mental endurance your thought processing your willingness your persistence like you always say gilbert being that dog on a bone man i mean that all of that is just so critical so you're going to hear us talk a lot about this and that's part of our coaching aspect uh there's going to be a lot of times you're going to hear us revisit this and uh and hopefully each time you get something and if you 
if you didn't get something this time, maybe you will the next time, or maybe yeah. the next time it just reminds you of something that that helps you dig down a little bit. So, yeah, uh, and you know was, something else, Joe. I'd like our our viewers and our 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 people that write in or mm-hmm. our listeners. I'd like for them to send us some topics that they'd like sure. to hear about more. Be awesome. Uh, yeah, so we could, you know, you guys start doing that. Send us some topics you'd like for us to discuss, and uh, we can we can knock that out even more. Uh, as we go along in these podcasts, and we'll take them into consideration. Maybe we can have a, you know, a grinder spot where we answer, you know, a question that y'all would like to have discussed every time. You bet. Let's go down to the Elk Bros mailbox, won't you? Yes, uh, who wants to take that first one? Old Donald for us. I'll, I'll go ahead and take it. Uh, first up is Donald Johnson from Maple Valley, Washington. And he, he asked, in some of your podcasts, I hear you guys talking about scouting and you reference dark timber or black timber. Is this a term for black burnt areas or more towards heavy timbered areas? Oh, he and has it right. I made that, I made that question yeah. before. Also. A good, good question, Donald. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, you have asked that before, haven't you, Manana? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh, the dark timber. It's just that. So on the north side of most mountains, man, that timber uh, grows thick there, and you get inside of it, it gets dark, it gets cool, it's real thick. And uh, I can see where people would, you know, is it the black burned areas? But yeah. uh, that dark. It's more the pondos too that grow up. You know, the mm-hmm. big ponderosas, pine trees, and stuff like that that grow at that top elevation. You'll exactly. find that black timber will start getting at the higher elevations. You'll see that black timber, versus some of the, you know, the the shorter uh, scrub oak and yeah, shorter. It'll lead up from that shorter scrub oak, and then you'll get to some some uh, lighter timber when you're in those quakies, you know, in in the uh, aspen trees, sure. and then it'll move out of that into that dark timber, and that's that what we're talking about is more of the ponderosa pines and. Uh, so those north northeast sides that are shaded right. all the time. You go in there and there's hardly any grass growing down on yep. underneath there. And if there's any snow, it's going to stay there forever because it's on the shaded side. And it's that's the cooler right. side, man. And that's where those that's where those elk like to bed down in in different areas like that. And those Very different nary. areas, yeah. A lot of downfalls too. So it's, yeah. it's really a lot of downfalls. <sighs> man, that time me and Chavs chased that bull up there and. Uh, <laughs> Way up on this ridge, we had to come bail off of it. Oh, my gosh. And it was all dark timber. And I'm telling you, it felt like I ran 3,000 yards of hurdles every 20 feet, man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, my legs were burning so bad. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Obstacles. Every, every time I'd look over at him, I'd say, how, I further, how much further to the bike? He'd say, 1.8 miles. <laughs> and we'd go for an hour, and I'd look over to him, and I'd say, how much further we got now? <laughs> 1.8 miles. I'm like, what in the world is wrong with that thing, Jeff? Uh, it's a it's geographical a, oddity. We're 1.8 miles from everywhere. It's like he's got. It's like that scale you got at camp to measure your animals. Like, yeah, man, they all weigh 200 pounds. No way, 200 pounds. Uh, so this next question, guys, I, I wanted to hit this because I've been getting a lot of questions from everybody. So I kind of combined all of them together um, and didn't give it to any one person because it was really it was talking about how a lot of guys are uncomfortable and have fear in the dark, man. And um, 
So a lot of them were talking about that, and it's so huge. So it's like most of them of the questions had to do with being out late or early in the dark, okay? And one of the questions was, how long did it take you to get comfortable out alone in the dark? Any of you guys comfortable out alone in the dark? You still have that? Yeah, no, I, I, I think as as kids, we all grow up with some semblance of fear in the dark. One thing that my grandfather told me when I was a young boy is that there wasn't anything in the dark that couldn't hurt you in the light. And uh, that made a lot of sense to me. And uh, he showed me, you know, some, the same animals in the woods are there in the light time. And when it's daylight, as they are in the dark time, you just can't see them. So what he taught me was that you made enough noise so all of them could see you so <laughs> right. uh, and hear you. You know, I, I believe most of our predators, bears and cougars alike, are, are they have a, a general fear of humans. And uh, sure. I think if for me, when I'm out in the dark, uh, you know, we all use headlamps and stuff like that. And I, I, have, I, have, I have run up on a couple of bears. And uh, I don't know if I've ever in ran the dark? up on a, in the dark. Or yeah. You have in the dark, huh? Well, yeah. Yeah, I have. Uh, well, the one that we run up on was pretty dark, pretty dang close to dark. When well, that's we what I'm got saying. A lot of this is like the cat. evening time. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so it was the evening time, but I guess uh-huh. it wasn't pitch black. Uh, and, and, you know, I heard some things running off before when I've been in the dark. It could have been a bear. It could have been a deer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I just... Man, I tell you what, I've got an incredible sense of uh, faith that I believe that God give me uh, dominion over the animals, and I'm not scared of them. So uh, now look, when you're confronted with a, a bear that can eat you, it don't matter if it's day or, or dark, you are in front of something that will make you have a little bit of fear in you, and, and Chad will make you do a dance around that bear. See, yeah, it's time and, to pull the old bear dance. Yeah, hey bear, hey bear, <laughs> and dance around some kind of hey bear polka that will scare most of the bears out of the way. But I think more importantly, it was God telling that bear to get the heck out of Dodge that they don't taste good anyway. So, uh, <laughs> Joe, so what's your biggest fear, Chav? What's your biggest fear of the dark? Uh, well... I guess it would be a bear or a cougar, I guess. But, uh, you know, uh, generally, if we're out there, you know, trying to, to hear an elk, uh, we're pretty quiet. But otherwise, we're talking pretty loud, <laughs> you know, trying to make our presence known. Yeah, buddy. Uh, so, before I haven't I go really down... encountered anything in the dark, but, you know, I've encountered, encountered them in the, in the daylight. Mm-hmm. Sure. And been able to get away from them. Yeah, I got yeah, – I can, I can talk for – you know, I'm probably, as far as archery or bow hunting career, I'm the youngest one here in the group. And so when we started, yeah. I thought Manano was younger than you, man. No, he's younger in age. Oh, he's way younger in mentality as well in matureness, <laughs> but uh, not in <laughs> bow hunting career. <laughs> you give me a break. <laughs> if y'all aren't watching this on YouTube, he's giving him the number one signal right now. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, but my point is when we started roughing it out there in public land, you know, we were doing a lot of uh, walking uh, early in the morning when it was dark, you know, to our spots or tree stands in the middle of the night, like in, in the dark and same on the way out. And I try to identify initially what we, where my two fears, right? And and so 
my, my two fears then for me to try to kind of work through this was one, Snakes. getting lost mm -hmm. and two animals that can hurt you. And the animals that could hurt us in that land were mainly snakes. So I was like, okay, you know, one, you can eventually uh, work it out because you get familiar with the area. You know where you're at. You know where you're walking. You're not afraid of getting lost, which would be one of the fears that you may have. And the other one is, you know, what animals can hurt you. Now, we know here in Texas that, you know, really um, – there's there's really no predators out there that you should be afraid of. Maybe a hog in a close encounter, but I'm yet to. Mountain you know, I've, I've been lots of mountain lions. Yeah, but I mean, at least where where we were at, we you know we hadn't even seen sign of them ever. You won't. They just uh, <laughs> you won't. <laughs> like, oh, you won't. I'm gonna tell you right, I'm gonna tell you right now. <laughs> you get that crap out of your head right now. Are you hunting that public land? There is the mountain. Lion. <laughs> so but you the won't. point being is like once you kind of understand what your fear is then you can start working on you know uh working it out so, so i feel way more comfortable nowadays yeah. uh it being in the dark uh it's just understanding of what the dangers are and what am i what do i really need to be afraid of and what i don't really need to be afraid so of. let me give you guys some stats i mean because i and this is for everybody out there that black bears have killed 61 people across north america since 1900 61 people since the 1900s from 1991 to 2003 there were an average of 5.6 so let's round it off there's an average of six cougar attacks and one death per year in the united states and canada combined combined yeah. that's from 1991 to 2003 yeah, there were six attacks and one death in canada and united states combined your chances guys of being killed by a domestic dog bees or mosquitoes or lightning are vastly greater than being killed by a bear or a cougar Ooh, lightning yeah and, well you want me, yeah. You want me to tell you what kills dangerous people in the united states are each other that's right in, in 2019 there were 16,425 murders in the u.s guys mm -hmm. the safest place a person can be is in the woods <laughs> yeah well and, 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 and look, no matter how you how you put these numbers together i mean yeah it's obvious the chances are low and you are absolutely right now but the we must one respect thing, our quarry, right? Yeah, and the, but the one thing that I sure. always question about about data like this is it, it's counting total population. But, you know, in order for me to digest this data better, and you know me, you know, I like data and sure. understanding. I would like to see it based on the population that actually goes so, out in the woods and so the number of days. Because let's, let's forget the population and go by geographic amount of land. How much land do you think um, cougars are living in between the United States and Canada that Every people state. are going into? You know? but, but but you know, but yeah, but what I'm saying is like, okay, so a lot of I, an average person will be exposed to dogs and bees year round. Yeah, because there's more day. of them. Right. Sure. And, and because they're here everywhere. But what I'm right. saying is not an average person is not really going to be exposed to a bear or a cougar ever. Right. Well, so then then take the number of hunters. Right. Yeah, that that's what I'm talking about. In New exactly. Mexico, Texas, all of them. I, I think mm -hmm. that which again, which again, millions of people. 
the point that Joe made is still extremely valid and it's oh, very yeah. low chances. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying this is yeah. like, okay, maybe if, if well, you put it I'm, into perspective, it might be a little less. I, I think Let what me. a lot of us do is, though, we create monsters under the bed. Yeah, and, man. And hey, I mean, you can spare yourself to friggin' death. That's man. Funny. I mean, yeah. that, and, look, uh, man, I thought yeah. you were a bear beating beating all the snow off our tent. <laughs> <laughs> you got shot that night, hey. Joe. Because you know, Joe can't hear without his hearing aids. And really can't hear good with his hearing aids. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I, he was beating on that tent, getting all that snow off. And I thought we had us a, a bear trying to get into camp. Look, these guys cook a lot of food, and the bears could probably smell it. He, he thought a bear was coming in camp, and he didn't even bug. Out of the sleeping bag, man. whatever. I told you. Hey, what are we hey let me tell you. Let me tell you my my father's method to 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 cure me about being scared in the dark. Uh, it was uh, I don't know. I was ten or eleven years old, and I, I was really scared of being alone in the dark. And one time, I remember we were uh, getting to the our ranch down there in Venezuela. And uh, I, he said, okay, open the door, open the gate. And as I closed the gate, he just, he turned it on and right he on. started going, I, I don't know, 300, five, uh, 400 yards. He left. It was a, it was a, he left. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a, a straight uh, road, road uh-huh. but it was really, really dark. And uh, I didn't have any flashlight. I mean, nothing. And he he turned the, the lights off, uh, but he he pushed the brakes so I I could see the red lights. Right, right. And I remember I started shaking, shaking right on the gate, shaking, and I I pushed my 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 arms like together, and I I was panicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember I started walking. When I relaxed a little bit, I started walking, uh, following the, the the this little clearance, mm-hmm. this little uh, road. Mm-hmm. Uh, road. And as I uh, as I was getting close to the to the to the to the truck, he would start the truck again and, and, and let me again. <laughs> yeah, and he did it twice. <laughs> and, uh, and I start and I started crying. <laughs> I was 11 years old, man. I mean, it was really, really dark. And uh, we do not analogy, condone this. <laughs> <laughs> I do yeah, like and his analogy, <laughs> he, he, his method was horrible, but it worked because after. He sink or swim he, principle he, there, he, huh? He he yeah. did it uh, opposite way. I, I would have done the, in the opposite way. Yeah, right. After I got to the truck, and and I was crying, he started talking to me, and he said, "Hey, yeah, we are in South America. We are we have tons of snakes. We have jaguars. We got several things." And you got but, lucky. Yeah, 99% of the time, you will be all right. Your enemy will be your mind. You are creating enemies in your mind. Just relax. Start feeling the woods and and just be relaxed. No, you're absolutely uh, right. I think if you you really slow down, 
the night woods is such a beautiful, pleasant place, man, if you slow down and you take it in. And and I'll just tell you, those critters, most of them, um, exception of you guys living in Grizz Woods, <laughs> yeah. those, mm. those critters are way more and scared wolves. of you than you are of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's... Uh, it, it, really, you are the apex predator out there, and you know that's that's one thing to remember uh, when you're out there. Yeah, you haven't been on a big exclusion street. in the Grizz and Wolf Woods. Yeah, you know. yeah. Well, even you know, there's not that. Yeah. If you take a look at wolf attacks and stuff, that's very yeah. limited as well. Yeah. So, well, they're very limited in their in their quantities and places sure. that people frequent yeah. too, mm-hmm. Joe. Yeah. Right. You know. You got to be prudent about it too, right? I mean, uh, if you if you if you stumble upon a mama bear with some cubs like Manano did this year, the uh, best thing you can do is back out slowly. Well, there's a lot of then, guys <laughs> that that haven't been killed by an animal because they killed the animal first, but you know, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, I mean, when confronted, when confronted in that scenario, one of them's going to either bluff, charge you or charge you, you know, you got to muster up all your strength and try to get him off of you, you know, do what you got to do to survive. Uh, But you got to be willing to do that, you know. And and let's give you some tools, man. What if you do encounter a bear or a cougar? You know, Mm -hmm. number one, number, number one is you never stop looking at that animal as you back away. You never turn to run because then you turn on that switch. Predator um, response. Yeah, yeah, predator switch. Turn yourself into a prey. Absolutely. You want to get as big and as loud as possible. Uh, If you have a jacket on, open it up, put it over your head. You start backing away. If if the wind is not in your favor going towards that animal, try to kind of go in a way that, if possible, you can get the wind blowing at them so they catch your scent Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, if, but, you, if you have uh, 10 millimeters in your pocket, <laughs> reach it. Uh, yeah. No, I yeah. mean, and, uh, yeah, honestly, if you're ever caught in that situation, do not run. You know, make sure that you keep that animal visually. Talk to them. If you have to, you know, you throw something at them. Um, they do not want to get hurt. So that's that. You know. Yeah, you know, I, I was talking to Maxi Grimio and a friend of mine, and he was hunting. Uh, leopards in uh, Africa and it's very more hunters are killed by hippos and leopards than any other animal over there when they're hunting and uh, he told me he said my guide was like so adamant look when this leopard comes in you need to make sure you kill him with the first shot because I'm telling you he will come in this blind that we have and he will rip us to shreds he said I've seen it happen a thousand times and Maxie was like so they showed me some videos of some things happening. He was like, man, I'm shooting a 375 H&H with a 350-grain bullet. You know, that leopard probably weighs 200-plus pounds. And this one he killed was a giant. I mean, a giant. He said when he walked in and started going to that bait pile and everything, I looked at the guy. He was about 90 yards away. I looked at the guy, and the guy goes, okay, are you ready? And he goes, Hell, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He goes, what do you mean you don't know? He's right out in front of here. He said, he goes, I'm afraid I'm not going to make a good shot. That's all going to come in here. And he said, 
man, we can't, we can't let you shoot the leopard if you're not ready. You know, oh, he said, heck no, he said, uh, no, no, no. He said, I'm okay. I'm okay. He said, I, 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 I'll be, I'll make a good shot. He said, man, I got to praying. Oh my God, please let this rifle be true. <laughs> you know, he said, <laughs> please, please. He said, man, when I, when I steadied it and everything, he said, I started shaking a little bit. And he said, I thought to myself, I am not dying here in Africa. He said, I'm going to shoot that leopard. And he made a good shot on him. And he, when he hit the ground, when he shot him, he hit the ground, he kind of started to get up. And Maxie said, man, I jacked another round of that thing. Boom, 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 boom. I shot three more times with that 375 bolt action. He goes, I didn't touch anything, but that leopard was, I was going to throw some more lead at that leopard. <laughs> he said, I was scared to death. So they were one, 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 to be one, scared of these, these big animals for sure. Yeah. But that okay. Kind of- one, one important uh, part of uh, of not being scared is uh, know the animals, yeah. know the, their behavior, sure. know what your in in what level of the chain food you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. I can tell you, I really used to important. follow behind Chav, man, when we'd be hunting in snow, we'd be deer hunting and I'd cut his track and I'm like, you know, it'd be time of the day. I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can follow his track and find, you know, where he's at and we can meet up and do some hunting, you know, and I'd be following his track and he's going, going, going. And all of a sudden there'd be a turned rock with some bear track chav his tracks would turn go the opposite way man <laughs> heck yeah man why tempt fate you know yeah heck yeah he's not going to deal joe joe likes to get close to the bears let's go let's go look at him a little bit you know? <laughs> go check him out uh-huh uh, i've been with joe you know we walk up on a bear and he go and I peek my head up, and I mean, we got a bear 15 yards from us, you know. Ain't that cool? I'm like, let's go down. No, <laughs> you know, no, ain't nothing cool about that bear, Joe. When that bear decides, I'm not worried about the bear going crazy. I'm worried about the bear going bear because they eat things to live, right? And we are just a mere snack on his uh, diet. Uh, I'll have to tell I, that I story of me and Chav one time when when we found a bear and decided to stalk it. And that. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to tell that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. that, that'll be good for tonight, man. Why don't you close out, Gilbert? All right. Well, Mr. Uh, David Draper, we'll get to you next week for sure. Uh, guys, it's been an incredible show. Mindset is a huge, huge thing for us here. And, uh, you know, all the content that you've got tonight from our guys have been exquisite. I mean, you know, from Manano sharing with us tonight on how well he did, dealt with the dark and how his daddy did. And, you know, my, my share from my grandfather and Joe and Chav and everybody sharing about how they feel about that and, and moving forward. All the mental things that we go through in a hunt is so important to have guys that support you in doing those things, right? And having positive mental attitudes when we're in camp. I can't, you know, I have the best guys in the world I hunt with. I, you know, I ride the river with these guys and I know that if I ask something to them or they ask something to me, I got to give it because that's just how we are. We appreciate your support and we're honored for any and all of you to welcome 
where our Elk Bros merchandise, you know, uh, we'll be getting those things together. And I know, Joe, uh, you'll have some uh, announcements coming forward when we'll have them, uh, the shirts uh, or to order again. Uh, guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us. And you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And uh, just a reminder, if any of our listeners would like their question answered on our show, just send your question to info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. Another epic show, Joe. Can't wait to get the guys back in the house for episode 99 coming up. Yep. Uh, as we say down here in Texas, husbands kiss your wives, wives kiss your husbands, hug your babies, keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry, and we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Peace, peace, everybody. Bye.